how can we come alongside the families in our community, the, the kids in our community, the moms and the dads in our community that are in such desperate need of people to just be on their side and support them? And, and in doing so, it's actually expanded our family. And so we have sisters and brothers who we never are, have been related to. We never thought we'd ever meet or know, um, but are now a part of our extended family. And like Cole was talking about our, our first foster baby, she was with us from four days old to four months old. And then she moved to a, a family member's, a, an, an aunt took her in. And uh, it was four years until her mom finally did get her back. Mm, wow. And the day her mom... Her biological mom got her back. She called us and was like, I got my baby back. Can you meet at the park? <laughs> and so we met her at the park. And ever since then, like, it's just expanded our family. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Art Espousing Podcast. Thank you for taking time to join us on the show. Maybe you're listening for the first time. We're glad you're here. A little bit about us. We genuinely believe that every marriage has the potential to be a masterpiece, revealing its unique God-designed purpose. We've learned that a strong relationship doesn't just happen by chance, for sure. It takes intentional effort and shaping. So in every episode, our main goal is to give you practical tools and tips that can help your relationship not only survive, but truly thrive. Yeah, that's true. And we hope that you've had a great couple of weeks since our last episode. You know, our last couple of weeks has been pretty full. We just got back from Denver, Colorado, where Lisa, you and I were both certified right. in a new tool called the Replenish Life Plan. The Replenish Life Plan is a God-centered process that will help people gain clarity, direction, and focus on the actual game plan for their life. So it's a two-day experience and it typically is done one-on-one, -on -one, although it can be very helpful to have the spouse participate as well. But the Life Plan really helps a person discover who they truly truly are, to understand how their story has shaped their life, and to clarify what truly matters to them, and then to establish some healthy rhythms and to create an actionable roadmap for their life moving forward. You know, our good friend Lance Witt designed the tool, and we're really excited to start using it. If you're interested in finding out more about a life plan, you can find a link in our show notes to talk to either Lisa or myself to see if it's a good fit for you. Yeah. You know, James, you and I had something similar to this done 2014 and then again, 2017. Yeah. And honestly, it was so transformational for me personally as an individual. And of course, we always say a better me it's is a better, better we. Yeah. And so we love it because it's hand in glove fits so nicely with marriage reboot. And so I'm so excited that we're certified in this because it has been so pivotal in both of our lives. It has been. Yeah. I it's love probably it. probably the most profound experience of my personal development was my life, my first life plan. So yeah, really define things. And you know what, for me, cause I'm a girl who can't make a decision. Right. It helped me know my yeses are yeses and my nos are absolutely no. That's and true. I love walking in that confidence and you say yes, that you like it too, because I'm finally making fast decisions. <laughs> Faster. <laughs> Faster. Faster. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then actually this weekend you had a big weekend too, right? You were part of a retreat. What yeah. Was all about? Refresh retreat. It's um, hosted by Amy Allgood, a longtime friend of mine. Almost seven years ago, she approached me and said, hey, I have this thing I really want to do for women. Um, would you get behind me and do this? And I'm like, I don't have no idea what that is. But you know what? God said, Lisa, you need to do this. And so four years in a row, we've done refresh retreat. So it took about three years to get it off the ground and going. Right. And great time of just women encouraging women. And Holy Spirit showed up there and did actually several breakthroughs in my own life. That's so awesome. I thought I was going there to help other people. And God said, no, I got something for you. 
That's good. Yeah. Well, let's jump into this week. We have our friends Cole and Chris Robinson with us. They're an amazing young power couple. No doubt. Right. Cole is a campus pastor at Christ Fellowship, which is our church at the downtown campus in West Palm Beach. And Carissa is the director of sisterhood in the foster care initiative at Christ Fellowship. Yeah, they really are an amazing couple. And you're going to completely agree with us by the end of this episode. There is so much good stuff in this one conversation. We believe you are going to be inspired and challenged by this episode. So let's jump in. Well, Colin, Krista, it's so great to have you on the podcast and here with us today. Thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, of course. Glad Thanks to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Some of our favorite married people here. Come on. Yeah, that's uh, right. We've had the really the privilege of actually watching your love story from the beginning, and we're huge fans of who you guys are as individuals, how you lead. And we've been excited about having this conversation because I think it's going to be so profound for couples who are really wanting to live on mission and wanting to make an impact through their marriage. And you guys are doing that. So to get us started, could you just begin by taking us back down memory lane and sharing with us a little bit of your love story, what's brought you to this place in your marriage? Yeah. Uh, so it's got up and downs, ups and downs. Um, I would say that it was an arranged marriage kind of off the start, which I, I'm from California, originally moved here to Florida. Uh, when I moved here, somebody told me, I have a wife for you which I thought was interesting to hear in this day and age. But sure enough, a few years later, Chris and I found ourselves married. So obviously that person was right. But I grew up in a military family, so kind of grew up all over the world. Moved a lot every two or three years. Didn't go to a school for more than two or three years at a time. So when I moved here, I kind of had some commitment issues. So it really, it was a it was a big step in my journey to move out on my own to come to Florida. And when Chris and I started dating, I just very quickly realized that... Uh, I was horrified and terrified of a committed relationship. So I did what every good boyfriend would do. The first time Chris, I met my mom, we were at Disney. We live about three hours south of Disney. And as soon as we got in the car I was to drive. Like, I crushed this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I met yeah. the mom. Met my she mom. She loves me. This went so well. We're starting to drive home from work. Yeah, we get right in the car to drive home three hours. And I look over and I'm like, I don't think this is going to work out. And Breaks so, up with me. The beginning the beginning oh, of the three drive? hour car ride. Oh, oh my so, goodness. So that was the first of three. <laughs> Pretty rough. That's the first rough. of three breakups in our relationship story. And and really for me, it was just kind of realizing that I had something internally that God was working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and praise God, she stuck with me. And mm-hmm. here we are eight years later. Mary is so grateful for that. It really wasn't your typical love story, if you will, but I'm really grateful that you kind of believed in me and stuck with me through it all. Yeah, it was definitely quite the roller coaster. Yep, Still for sure. love you, forgive you. We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> but looking back, you know, it really was, to be honest, it was it was a roller coaster for my heart. And there was a lot of heartbreak involved and being broken up with three times. <laughs> yeah, my bad. It's oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it was a big revelation for you to to work through some of the things mm-hmm. that were just really holding holding our relationship back. But obviously more than our relationship was was the struggle. There was there were some bigger things that God needed to do in you. And it was a painful journey to be broken up with. But mm-hmm. I felt like I had really sweet moments with God during that heartbreak season. In fact, there was a word that God gave me during one of the breakups that I have held on to even beyond our dating relationship into our marriage, into our our family life. And this word was God saying to me, I do good work. So let me do it. Mm-hmm. And it was just a release for me to go, man, Sometimes things don't go the way the way we think they're going to go, even though I was really confident that you were the guy for me. 
in that moment, it was it was hard and difficult, but God gave me a word that gave me strength. I think another revelation that we had was once we got through that dating season, engaged, married, couple months down the road, we had to quickly realize that the the stuff from our dating season didn't just kind of disappear when we got married. Mm. And that was that was kind of like a rude awakening for us. I think we all thought like marriage was this reset button on your life Mm -hmm. and it's just actually not at all. (laughs) You know, that we 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 thought, you know, this was the beginning of a totally different, like clean slate, but but the insecurity that came Mm -hmm. from our dating season actually came with us into wow. our marriage season mm-hmm. yep. and we were like oh man we really have to deal with this stuff and and Cole you did such a great job doing the hard work and working through that and I had to do the hard work of rebuilding my trust in you and and so it, it was it was messy but it was it's been beautiful mm-hmm. and and challenging and all of it yeah, a piece of what we have kind of learned as we pastor and lead people as a profession is we kind of developed this statement like where you go there you are. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you're anxious and afraid and you go to Disney World, you're just anxious and afraid with a $100 pair of Mickey ears on your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're anxious and afraid or insecure and you go to the Bahamas, you're just anxious, afraid, insecure in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. You know, so we think of escaping our life or we think of going on a vacation, but where you go, there you are. And the same is true for relationships. So mm-hmm. I often look at guys or, you know, couples that are about to get married and I'm like, hey, whatever it is that you are dealing with right now, it is going to escalate. It's actually probably going to double or triple mm-hmm. as soon as you step into a marriage. And I think we've learned that from people like you guys who have led us so well mm-hmm. and we've watched your marriage and how you guys deal with the hard things. So yeah, the work was hard to deal with those commitment issues. I had to go to counseling, spent Spent a lot of time sitting in a chair doing what I don't want to do, which is to go back and yeah. ask mm-hmm. hard questions about my upbringing and about some things I'd experienced. And and really, I found where that commitment fear had come from, and it led to where we are now. So grateful for that. And I would say to anybody that's walking through something, maybe you're, you're feeling like you're lacking in an area, do the work now, because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. if not, you're going to pay for it later. So. I'm grateful. I'm still working on myself, just to be very clear. Still <laughs> still have some things that we're working through. Yeah. But. Well, so are we. 30 <laughs> yeah, years true. later, 30 years later, we have had later, a, yeah. a, a massive hiccup in communication in the last month or so that we've talked a lot about. And 30 years later, if we think that we're done learning and growing about ourselves and what God wants to do in and through us and healing, and then together collectively, if we think that's over at any time, that's a sad reality. So I love your story. Of course, I knew pieces of that, but I think it's cool to see how you can see God is working all things together. Yeah. Because even those tense moments and painful breakups did do work, even though you had to revisit it early in marriage, you're laying groundwork that you're building on. And I think what we're going to talk to you guys about today is going to be powerful because all of that was so necessary in what God has called you on mission to do, which is very complex and layered what he's asked you to do. And so it's so cool. And what you shared there was really profound too, because one of the things that so many couples go into marriage with is unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. And you said that you think that there's going to be a reset, that the things that you deal with when you're dating are going to be different when you say, I do. And where you go, there you are. You take it with you into Mm -hmm. your marriage. It doesn't change. And so I really commend you on just the hard work of Mm self-awareness. And we always say a better me is a better we. And so as you've worked on yourself, it's made a better relationship, mm-hmm. better, not just a better you, Cole, but a better the two of you together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is the snapshot of the Robinson married couple. Mm-hmm. 
is that you guys have wisdom beyond your biological years. God has done download in you that's further on in age-wise. You yeah, know? Wisdom, so, yeah. yeah, because we deal with people who are older, married, that haven't figured out that one thing. Yeah. And they're still dealing with it 20, 30 years later. So, yeah, so good. congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good work. Yeah, good work. Good work. Okay, so you all are foster parents, and we're talking about marriage on mission. Mm-hmm. So many aspects that we could talk about with the two of you, but this one in particular, because it's so unique. I feel like to y'all getting married and early on in your marriage story, you feel called to be foster parents. And so I'd like to know a little bit about that story, how y'all both came together, husband and wife, while you're working on all the things you're working on. I began with Carissa saying, we're going to foster. I was like, oh, okay. So what were we, nine months into marriage? Like didn't even have a year under our belts. And she's like, we're going to a foster class. I was like, you're out of your mind. No way. Yeah, there was a little and more to the story. But... No, that was that was my interpretation of it. So we were gathered together with a bunch of church leaders. And there was this call from the platform to take up the call to care for widows and orphans in the modern day. And that's these kids in our own backyards that are abused abandoned, neglected, can no longer be with their biological families, removed for their safety, and placed into foster care. And these leaders were championing the church to really call the church up to step up and get these foster kids in Christian homes. And we're all just cheering. We're like, yes, the church needs to do this. And Cole and I have always had it in our heart to foster or adopt. And especially me, as I was a younger teenager, I had this recurring dream as a young kid that Mm -hmm. I would be sleeping and I would hear a baby crying outside the front door of my house. Mm -hmm. And I would go open the door and there was a baby on my doorstep. Mm -hmm. And even before I was saved as a young child, I had this reoccurring dream. And not until really a couple of years ago did God help me know and realize that he was giving a vision for my life that like, he had this plan for me long ago. And so church leaders empowering the church, you need to go tell the church to become foster parents. And Cole and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, man, we're going to call the church to do this. Maybe we ought to pray if this is something we need to do. And so we we prayed and Cole was kind of like, yeah, no, no. (laughs) I didn't have a dream. I was like, it was a process for me to work out. I think ultimately we went to the class. I heard some of the stats and that really wasn't what moved me. What moved me was, again, I told you, I grew up in a military family. I have this picture of government that's like government fixes everything. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he was like, the reason the system is broken is because the government is doing something the church should be doing. It's not the government's job to care for kids. It's the church's job. It was why Christians started hospitals. It's why Christians started orphanages. It's because it's our job to care for kids. So it was, it was was messy. Yeah, it was messy because there was this issue. Like I had this vision and this dream and this great confidence to do it. And Cole had this reservation and, you know, and just like hesitancy. We're nine months married. What what are we thinking? Like, why would we do this now? And we don't need kids yet. We're going to travel and whatever. So yeah, it was just kind of me wrestling and you were patient with me and I appreciate that. You were patient for a good solid two weeks and (laughs) then we went to the class. But from there, I think the biggest thing is so we've had 12 kids come through our home. Wow. We have one right now who's eight months, sweetest little girl. We have one forever, our daughter Nyla. And and really the picture that God gave me was people say this all the time and it actually kind of drives me nuts. And if you've said this before, it's okay. People say, I could never foster. Like I, it would just be so heartbreaking. How could you give those kids back? Like it would just be too painful. And I had this realization that it was like either you as an adult who is able to process pain who is able to attach to a child and love them the way they should be loved and you deal with the pain or you just allow that child to not experience that love and they deal with the pain on their own. And when I thought about that, it was like the clearest picture of Jesus that I had ever experienced, which was like Jesus 
took our pain, knowing full well that we may not choose him. We may not be able, he, we, he may not get the satisfaction of us loving him back or worshiping him, right? That picture, but he still did it anyway, mm. so that I might experience the life that he has for me. So really when I had that kind of happen, like during our first, it was actually right after our first foster baby got reunited. I was crushed because I felt that like I just attached this baby for four months. You're up every night. You're loving them. You're sacrificing. And she went home. Ever since then, I've realized like when people say that Mm -hmm. I can never get so attached, like we have to get attached. You have to love these kids because if you don't, no one is like, who's going to do it? And that's ultimately what I said about the church is like, no one goes and who's going to care for them. So obviously I know there's probably ups and downs in fostering, but I'd love to hear there has to be something that's constantly propelling that. Like, so what are some of the blessings that you've experienced through parenting in your marriage as a result of fostering kids? Well, I think there's a lot of challenges, but there are a lot of blessings. And and like Cole was talking about, the goal of foster care is for kids to be reunified with their biological family. Mm-hmm. The goal isn't that they would become your forever kids. The right. goal is that we could actually partner with families to get their kids back to do what they need to do. Cole and I have had the privilege of sitting across this 21-year-old mom with, with the baby that was in our home, mm-hmm. her baby that was in our mm-hmm. home that we were taking care of and just championing her. You can That's go awesome. to the parenting class. You can you can go to the therapy. You can do. You can be successful and get your kid back. And we're going to cheer you on and come sit with us at church. And and sitting across from a mom with no intentions of her life ever getting to where it is, it really opens your eyes to go like, man, our our life is is so much more than our life, right? It's yeah. it's so much more than just about our day to day and what we want to do and what the dreams in our heart. It's like it's that, but it's also. How can we come alongside the families in our community, the the kids in our community, the moms and the dads in our community that are in such desperate need of people to just be on their side and support them? And and in doing so, it's actually expanded our family. And so we have sisters and brothers who we never have been related to. We never thought we'd ever meet or know. Um, but are now a part of our extended family. And like Cole was talking about our our first foster baby. She was with us from four days old to four months old. And then she moved to a a family member's, an an aunt took her in. And it was four years until her mom finally did get her back. And the day her mom, her biological mom, got her back, she called us and was like, I got my baby back. Can you meet at the park? (laughs) And so we met her at the park. And ever since then, like, it's just expanded our family. And, And she's a part of our family. And and it's just been such a blessing because we didn't know we needed them. They didn't know they needed us. And we it's just been a really beautiful part. That first baby, we actually went to Disney World on a Friday with some friends. And Chris was like, we're going to get a call for our first kid. I was like, yeah, right. Like, no, no way. So we were at the bottom of the Tower of Terror. And <laughs> Chris gets a phone call. And there's a four-day-old baby with no name at a hospital. And my heart like sank. So we like went on the ride and I'm not even like focused. I'm literally like, I'm about to be a dad in three hours when we drive back. <laughs> so I made her stop at a Krispy Kreme and I ate eight Krispy Kreme donuts <laughs> on the way home. Just mad stressed. But yeah, that's, that's the beauty of it. Carissa probably interacts with biological family more than I do. One of the things that I love that I've personally been a part of has been to hopefully inspire other people to take this step. So we got a phone call from a couple really close to us about five months ago. And they were like, hey, we've decided to become foster parents. And it was just such a dream come true for me and for both of us, honestly, because if we can inspire other people to do mm-hmm. that, there's kind of been this mantra around 
foster parents, adoptive parents. We want to change that. It, it really is just a normal thing. It's parenting somebody else's kid, which sounds crazy, but honestly, it's caring for people that God loves. And mm-hmm. widows and orphans is what God calls us to. That's the purest form of religion. So like that's been really exciting for me. And we've seen a couple of people take that step, even a couple more now, like wrestling with, yeah, we do this. And so that's been really cool. I guess I didn't really realize what you just shared there about your extended family. Mm-hmm. That was an aha for me. I never really thought about that the parents of these kids actually become extended family, like you've invested. That's that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I never really thought about that until you just said that. That's pretty cool. I would say it's hard, you know, because Carissa, she understood this. I don't know how just the Holy Spirit spoke to her. I never would have grabbed this. But when we first started really realizing that our daughter Nyla probably wouldn't get reunited with her biological mom. We never took the stance of us against them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carissa was like, isn't it amazing, Nyla? You have two mommies and two daddies. Mm-hmm. And she understands that. So Chris, I kind of had this statement like, you're from mommy's heart and your other mommy's belly. You know, mm-hmm. like, and Nyla was able to actually differentiate mm-hmm. the two. Which is beautiful because, again, it didn't put us against them. And it wasn't like those people versus us. It's like we've been to court and her biological mom is crying and just she can't pull her life together. And that's OK. And Carissa, instead of standing over here with these other lawyers and people, Carissa would go walk across the courtroom and sit with this mom. Mm-hmm. And like that right there is the purest picture to me of the love of mm-hmm. God. It's just like, it's beautiful. even though you can't pull your life together. Yeah. We're here with you and we're not trying to take your kid. We're we're trying to champion like, you know, we're going to care for her. And so we have story after story like that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about all the blessings that of extended family that actually doesn't happen unless you have that heart. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of foster parents who maybe don't have the skill or the know how to do that. So it's even inspiring people to foster, but then equipping them on how do you do this so that you actually have influence in these people's lives beyond the four months, two months, six months that you have their kids in your home. I'd love to know, how have you prioritized your marriage with the demands of leaving at high levels and caring for, extending your heart, attaching to kids and loving them and releasing them? Yeah, I think that that does become a challenge. Foster parent, regular parent, you know, whatever (laughs) you are, it's a challenge to not get so focused on the day-to-day doing that you forget the person that you sleep next to. Mm-hmm. And we found ourselves there. And life sometimes can feel unmanageable mm-hmm. and crazy and a bit sporadic. And we do have to constantly realign ourselves. And sometimes that looks like, hey, babe, you haven't really eaten me out in a long time. Or, yeah. <laughs> or sometimes it's like, hey, Carissa, you're a little spicy right now. You need to Mm -hmm. chill. Mm -hmm. But I will say, to be honest, a a lot of the prioritization of our marriage has been a great help from people around us. Mm -hmm. And us just going, yeah, in the natural, we actually can't really do it all on our own. And so we are grateful for people that just have really championed us and supported us. So we've got volunteer babysitters who are so great and have come alongside our call to foster amazing women from the church that are just like spiritual grandmas in our life that are like, we'll babysit once a month so you can have a date night. And we're like, this is the best thing that ever happened to us. So that's really practical, I know, but it has just created a a space Mm -hmm. for us and just margin in our life. And I just don't know if that's something that can be replicated, just having margin for us to be together. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we make this a tactical issue, but realistically for me, it's a philosophical one. So I realized kind of early on that this idea of like work-life balance is really a lie. Mm -hmm. So like for a couple of reasons for me, I'm an all-in person. 
like where I am, there I am. If I'm at the gym, I'm at the gym. If I'm at home, I'm at home. You know, like that's, I'm just kind of like all in everywhere. And I realized that if you do this like work life, gym, parent, friendship, balance thing, you begin to put yourself against each other. Mm -hmm. So like, well, if I'm going to be like work life balance, then I'm going to be like the best person at my job possible. And then I get home and I've got nothing left for my family. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like, also I begin to be a different person at work. Cause like, that's my work Cole. And this is my home Cole. No, like I'm Cole. Mm -hmm. I'm a parent. I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. I love to go to the gym and work out, but like everywhere I am, I need to be the same person. And, and I realized that over time I just began to neglect other areas of my life because I just put so much effort into this. And it's not a balance thing. It's not like a tactical mm-hmm. need to go out more. It was like a, no, I need to realize that my family is the most important thing in my life. At the same time, when I get to pastor and lead people, that's so important too. And John Ortberg talks about that it's not a life of balance. It's a well-ordered heart. Yeah, and that's what you're saying. Good. If there is a night as parents Yes, but then as foster parents, you get a call at eight o'clock at night, your life shifts. Yep, so totally. the priority, there's no balance in that. <laughs> you're like, yeah. you're up through the night. And so you really are developing a discipline of living a well-ordered heart, not a balanced life. Because even if we go back to your beginning story of your marriage story of what God was doing in you, Cole, before you got married and what he was doing in the two of you and how you had to work through that. To this point, you're going, that was so valuable. Right. And all of these lessons along the way of like living a well-ordered heart, that life isn't just about one aspect, it's the whole. Can I add something? Oh, yeah. please add everything. Cole and I had a conversation just the other day because, Cole, you're such a, a learner and you're so committed to growing in so many different areas. And I... I wish to be more like you, but we were talking just like, I want to be a better parent. And Cole's like, I want to be a better pastor. And I'm like, man, it's so cool that God doesn't make it so complicated right. for us that we don't have, to, we can, we can become experts in areas and we should, we should read the books, Pastor James, you read the books and <laughs> we should do that. But, but really our spiritual growth, our pursuit of God, our right. pursuit of holiness solves our intent to be amazing at everything right we're, we're not going to be an expert at everything but with god's help he gives us the grace to be great parents and yeah. great at home and have great marriages and mm-hmm. be great pastors and and i'm just grateful that it doesn't it's not like i only can be good at one it's that god's going to give me the grace mm-hmm. to do all that he's placed in my life and yeah. that it, it does involve intention of course and and pursuit mm-hmm. of learning but it's also this grace over our life to to do all that he's called us to do. Yeah, I think it's a yeah, there's yeah. congruency in across all the domains of life. Right. Mm-hmm. One of our pastors says all the time is that we have not multiple lives, we have one life, right? right? right. And that congruency across the way a well-ordered heart having Jesus at the center of it mm-hmm. allows you to go through rhythms of life, seasons mm-hmm. of life and have consistency in those things instead of trying to balance all those things. You know, when I think about the word priority, living your life to the fullness that God's called you to is your number one priority, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which includes marriage, which includes parenting, which includes your jobs, which includes foster parents. Yes. But I will never sacrifice our marriage on the altar of foster care. Yeah. And I will never sacrifice my relationship with God on the altar of marriage. Mm -hmm. And and I just know Mm -hmm. that it is all so important. And, you know, it does take rhythms of prioritizing what's most important right Mm -hmm. this moment, but I won't kill 
derail our marriage on the sake of what I want to do well, and how I want to serve. That's right. Because that's, that's not what God is asking us to Mm-mm. do. Right. So like I love our senior pastors all the time say like, oh, they t- people talk about work or ministry kills marriages. And they're like, that's not true because God invented both. Like right. they're both good things. Right. So for us, we, we've, we've had hard seasons where, you know, like we haven't slept in weeks and, and we're like, oh man, we should probably go on a date, but it's honestly not what's best for us. What's best for us is just to be healthy Sleep, get a good just, nap. Yeah, just <laughs> get a good nap. really, hey, you, you're going to sleep on the couch tonight? Hold hands and sleep on the couch. <laughs> no, we've literally done like, babe, go sleep on the couch tonight. I'll take care of the kid because you need to, Yeah, you know, tomorrow be okay. And, and I think it's beautiful because God doesn't ask us to kill something in order to make something else succeed. He only, he gives us grace for what he's called us to. It's so good. So if somebody's listening today and they're considering foster care, what what's some insight or some advice you would give? I I think it's a beautiful call, and I don't think it takes a really, really special person. I think it just takes a really available, willing heart, and I think God does grace people to do what's so near and dear to his heart. So I would say if it's in your heart, you ought to take a step Mm -hmm. to just find out some more information, and we can give you more information on that. But practically, it does mean every 25 days, a case manager shows up to your house. It is is the most inconvenient (laughs) thing you'll ever do in your life. Your house always has to be clean. Yeah, it does oh, mean, praise. you know, I would have an excuse. No, 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 it's so horrible yeah. because I'll get a call. It's like caseworkers coming in 20 minutes and oh, I'm like, our house is a disaster. <laughs> and then I go home and I'm like, oh, we just live like this. Everything's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's no. perfect. So it does mean a lot of accountability. Mm-hmm. It does mean like your life is is wide open. And to us, like we we're OK with that because that is how we've decided we're going to live our life. And we don't have secrets and other than our dirty closet. But mm-hmm. so, you know, there is a lot of accountability in that. There's in the moment at 8 p.m. Pastor Lisa, you said it is like you could get a call at 8 p.m. Hey, we've got a three year old girl. It's Thursday at 9 p.m. She has nowhere to go. She is a full leg cast mm. and she only speaks Spanish. Can you take her for the weekend until That's we find, yeah. yes. can you take her for the weekend until we find a home that, that can take her? And I said, no. no. <laughs> you said, yes. And I so met her. I did. met that little precious girl. So yes. I know you said yes. We yes. Yep. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, it's important in those marriage moments to go, well, why are you saying no? Just so we can, we need to know we why. Had that conversation. Why do you want to, yeah. why do I want to say yes? Why do you want to say no? We came to the compromise of, we said yes. But here's our boundary. Here's our line. Here's yeah. here's what we can do. That's good. We can do till Monday morning. Right. We're going to take care of her till Monday morning. But just for her sake, we don't speak Spanish. Right. <laughs> We've never taken care of a three-year-old foster child. We don't, you know, we don't have a wheelchair. You know, so yeah. there were a lot of logistics involved. And that's yeah. why there was some hesitancy. So we knew our line. You have to know your lines. You have to have some boundaries. You've got to be brave enough to say what your family needs because mm-hmm. we don't sacrifice our family on the right. altar of that's caring right. for other kids. Right. And so- for us, we just had to go. We're brave. We're bold. We're going to be willing, but we also know our limits. So we take one kid at a time. You know, there are some amazing foster families that have 12 kids and we just, that's not the grace mm-hmm. over our life. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> nope. so knowing what your limits are and, and being bold to say there's, them. For me, there's two things. The first would be, I love what Chris just shared, which is like Nyla is as in on this as we are. Mm-hmm. So Nyla our is our five-year-old mm-hmm. Nyla is a big sister to all of these kids, right? Mm -hmm. So right now we have a little girl who's eight months in this morning. She made her laugh so loud and just Mm -hmm. makes her so happy. And if Nyla got to a place where like we needed a season where, hey, we're going to take a a step back for Nyla, we're going to do that Mm -hmm. because it's not just like, well, Nyla, you need to suck it up. No, she's a part of our family. Mm -hmm. But Carissa has done such a great job and I'd like to say I've helped create this culture in our home that Nyla just understands 
mm-hmm. we do this. And actually Nyla can articulate, we take care of babies until they can go back to their mommy. Like mm-hmm. she just understands. Mm-hmm. So actually she's on mission with us at five <laughs> I love it. and I'm hoping that she can actually, you know, internalize that for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't just drag her along. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a part of the mission right. and it's, and it's important for her to have and, mission yeah. for it. And the second thing I would say is start small. So I think again, for a lot of people, there's a billion reasons why you shouldn't do this, mm-hmm. but really there's one reason you should. And it's like, there's kids are hurting. So mm-hmm. for me, it's starting small with like, I love a couple named Greg and Dana who are in our church and they beg us beg us to drop the baby off. Please just give us the baby for, for a night <laughs> so you guys can go on a date. And we're, we're like, like we're done. fine. And they're, well, yeah, we're done. We're like, they're literally just like, let us help you. So right now in their season of life, they, they're not able to full-time foster, but they are like, we want to help you succeed. Mm-hmm. So a lady named Michelle in our church, same way. She just like, can I come over and do your dishes? Can I come to your laundry? We're like, mm not going in our laundry room, but (laughs) like those little things are trying to help us succeed for the long term. And I think that all of us can do that. All Mm -hmm. of us can find a family and maybe you're not able to do it full time right now, but no matter if you're single or married or 10 kids or zero kids, you can help somebody else. And and you got to start small, you know, until maybe God grows that heart in you. And, and I think that one day, you know, if you do have that call, I think you have to just take the step. Like she said, like, honestly, for us, if you wrestle with it over and over and over mm-hmm. again, if you've been wrestling with it, that's from the Holy Spirit. So right. I would say take awesome. a step. Good. Well, we'll make sure that we include all resources, how to take the next step and what those next steps are yeah. and the show notes so that people can walk into that. And I love it. So with each interview, we're ending with a tool that you would give married people. And maybe even if we actually look at some marriages from one to 10 years a tool that you would give that you found helpful to you in your marriage that you could share? I, I think for us, this is this is a learned tool that's mm-hmm. been a thread over our life, and it's just to do the hard thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we did, Cole did the hard work early on when our, our relationship needed it. We've done the hard thing to pursue kids that, mm-hmm. that are, tend to be difficult and, you know, messy and things that are that are just hard. And I think for us, that's a lens when we have to make a, a decision is that like, we're not afraid of the hard thing, we mm-hmm. do the hard work for mm-hmm. the sake of our marriage, for the sake of our family, for the sake of the gospel, for the mm-hmm. sake of the kids broken and hurting in our community. We do the hard thing, um, but we trust that God gives us the grace to do it. So it's a lens we use to make a decision that we're not afraid of the hard thing, we do Love the it. hard thing, we embrace the hard thing, and we know that God uses the hard things in our life to write a beautiful story. I love That's it. That's amazing. For me, it can be cliche, but it's so powerful. It's that my goal is to outserve Carissa. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not because I love to do that. It's because I know I need to do that. Because I grew up in a family where you fend for yourself, moved around a lot. I mm-hmm. kind of had to make my own. So like, it's easy for me to just completely disconnect mm-hmm. and, and be cold by myself. And I need to remember, no, I have one life. Like I said, I need to stop compartmentalizing and bring it all together. So for me, it's like I constantly evaluating. I really want to go to the gym tomorrow morning at this time. Is that what's best for my family? Probably not. Okay, so I'm going to find a different space. Or mm-hmm. I really don't want to clean the car today. But I know that if Krista gets in the car and it's clean. Now, the, the temptation for me is that I want it to be for a, a purpose. You know, like yeah. some benefits at the end. Benefits, yeah. right. Yeah. right. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. Be honest with that. Hey, we're not supporting that. 
I'm not into that. No, that and Carissa is actually not If it at just all. happened. No, no. Know? That's the problem. Carissa sees through. I've never pulled the wool over her eyes ever. Right. Ever. And I've had to imagine. learn. So like what it made me do was, well, fine, I'm not going to serve. And and actually I had to go, no, I'm going to do it. Not for the benefit on the other side, but because I love my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. I think that's an important marriage hack. You know, yeah. <laughs> I know, guys, the intentions are real. But for me, maybe this is maybe this is more women. The giving to get is not a good approach. It's not yet. in our marriage yeah. at all. It's never really worked in other areas. So it doesn't work for our it marriage. It does work on your side. Now, I will, <laughs> say, <laughs> I will say giving just to give is a really attractive it's thing. It's sexy, isn't it's it? Sexy. It's sexy. It is. Yeah. So I'm learning to give just hey, to I, give. I learned that probably 20 years ago that if I could lean into Lisa's love language and what she needed, not to get, but to just to give and to express love. It, it it's all reciprocal. things get taken care of. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Lord bless us. Yeah. Lord bless us. Hey, us. we probably ought to wrap this up before it gets too too crazy far gone yes. but thank you guys for being on the show this is really amazing great content and i know it's going to inspire other couples who want to live on mission with their mm-hmm. marriage and you guys are an example of that there are people that are right now newly married and wanting to find examples of like how can we live out our married life healthy and strong and, and you guys are a great example and you're, and you're crushing this so thank you guys for being on the podcast today thank you, yeah. Love for you guys. Us. Thank you, Cole and Carissa, for being on the podcast and setting a huge example of living marriage on mission. If you're in the South Florida area, we've put a few resources in the show notes where you can find out more information about the foster care opportunities that they talked about. And wherever you're listening from, I'm sure you can Google some great resources in your area as well if you're so inclined to look into being a foster parent. So as we wrap up today, we want to thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard today, we would love to connect with you. Email us at hello at artespousing.com. You can also message us on Instagram at artespousing. We would also love for you to sign up for our email list. With every episode, we send out an email with a direct link to the show and some news about what's coming up with artespousing. So we'd love to keep you informed. You can sign up with the link in the show notes or in our Instagram bio. So our next episode, we're going to be talking about building prayer into your marriage relationship. Tough topic, not easy for everybody. So we're going to kind of tackle that. And we hope you'll join us for that. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time on the Art of Spousing podcast. Until then, bye-bye.